This is Two Jerks, One Vote, and we're reviewing the songs for the Tearing Down History Song Fight with special guest, Song Fight winner and Spin Tunes champion, Micah Summersmith. Hi, I'm Chumpy, and this is The Jerk. Hi. Now here's how this thing works. We've won some fights enough that we think we know our stuff. We'll listen to your submission, subjected to our praise and our derision. I know that sounds unfair, but you're not obliged to care. Yeah, you're gonna lose this song fight. And yes, I'm talking to you. Yeah, you're gonna lose this song fight. Deep down inside, you know that it's true. Most of these bands are gonna lose when this song fight is done and your bands won. And by your bands won, I don't mean your bands won. With bands being a contraction of band has and won, meaning the past tense of win. Those are just tricky homonyms. What I'm really trying to say is that you're one of the losers. So uh, for last fight, Paco won. Congratulations, Paco. Yeah, once again, uh, we predicted correctly the winner. I think we both had it as our favorite. Yeah, that was his 10th win as well, so congratulations. Yeah, yeah. I had a couple of things that I wanted to mention about the last podcast. Do you want? Do you have anything in mind? Or uh, I, just I just wanted just... to mention that we got some email from Glennie on our feedback at Two Jerks, One Vote email alias. He basically told us a lot about his activities. Uh, he you know, I remember in the last fight, I commented that he and Ken had a pretty good chemistry on the rhythm section. He was playing bass and uh, Ken was playing drums. So he gave me this sort of long story about he and Ken were in a band from like 1988 to 1999 where Glenn played bass and Ken played drums. And the band apparently had just like seven songs, which they played over and over and over again, which drove Ken a little crazy and they eventually split up. So that's why they have such a good chemistry. I guess he and Ken have been playing together for a long time. Um, Woody is Glenn's little brother. Um, they improvise a lot. They've also played in bands together. Um, so he says that he does not do PCP, but he, uh, <laughs> he he works nights at the Tesla factory. So he drinks like a bunch of energy drinks and coffee to stay awake on his night shift. And then when he gets home, he cannot sleep because he's all amped up on caffeine. So uh, recently his wife has gone to work and his kids are back in school. So he's got the whole house to himself. And it's in those caffeine-fueled fever dreams where he wrote the uh, Last Nerve Suite and his current... Uh, you know, bout of productivity. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that I wanted to mention. The, the last podcast, some of my comments could have been misconstrued to suggest that I was urging people to do PCP, and that that was just a joke, and I want to be perfectly, perfectly clear. Don't do PCP. If you want to be prolific and successful in song fight, uh, you shouldn't do PCP. You should do amphetamines, though. You can get them directly from your doctor instead of, you know, your your regular guy. It's it's super easy. You, you just sort of ask your doctor for some bennies, and if he asks, you just tell him that uh, you need it because your other doctor gave you too many quaaludes. So, <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. My, my, my knowledge of recreational pill popping is apparently limited to movies from the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, no, uh, you know, don't do any of that except Glenny. Of course he can do whatever he wants as long as he keeps on, you know, breaking out those songs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually wanted to, to say just a couple other things. Um, during the last podcast, we touched on the prayer for pancakes song fight. And I had opined that, uh, 
if those songs were only composed and recorded within a 30-minute time frame, that they must be garbage, that they're probably pretty weak songs. And I was wrong. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, the songs are good on their own uh, in general. Well, a lot of them are anyway. But it's amazing when you consider that they only took 30 minutes. So, yeah, I was wrong. Uh, the songs are mostly pretty cool and definitely worth checking out. Prayer for Pancakes, an amazing fight. All right. We are pleased and honored to have a guest reviewer join us for this podcast. Uh, Micah Summersmith is a fabulous talent. He has won Song Fight multiple times. He won the most recent Spin Tunes competition. That's Spin Tunes 14. Uh, he has great albums at micasummer.bandcamp.com. Uh, he has super cool videos up on YouTube. And uh, I should mention again, his albums at micasummer.bandcamp.com. That's M-I-C-A-H-S-O-M-M-E-R.bandcamp.com. Uh, welcome, Micah. You've made uh, Two Jerks, One Vote a more inaccurate a name than uh, it has ever been before. Thank, thank you very much. I am proud to serve the cause of rendering podcast titles inaccurate. It's a, it's a goal of mine, and I'm, I'm glad to be in the game so fast. Cool, cool. All right, and, we just... and just thank you for uh, for having me. It's a great pleasure. Uh, very, very happy that you could join us. All right, should we launch right into it? Yes. Yeah. The first up is Berkeley Social Scene. You can't change the past unless you teach alternate facts. Just take it all back. I've got some intro stuff for this song. Okay, go for it. So um, I heard from Glennie again, so he gave me some details about this particular track. We got Martin on bass and vocals. We got Glenn on guitar. Uh, Sam, a.k.a. Lunkhead, again plays guitar and uh, plays the solo. And as usual, Ken is on drums and percussion and also doing production. And um, Martin's piano teacher or his kid's piano teacher scott is playing on this track and that's where the piano comes from if you're wondering oh my gosh nice <laughs> that's cool i, I you know, did have the piano in my notes but who wants to start off uh, i can take this one so in my notes i mean i think a lot of people like the fact that it opened and it sounded like a 70s cop drama theme song um you know with the wah guitar uh, pretty good stuff. I, I like the verse better than the chorus, which is, seems to be a usual complaint from me with BSS songs. Um, and the pre-chorus in particular I thought was a little wimpy. Uh, there was just something about it that felt like a little bit of a letdown. Um, so, and then some of the lines, like on my notes say that on the line, the truth is gone. You know, Martin is just super straining. So that's that's always a little bit of a turnoff for me. Uh, the piano in the chorus is awesome, and I, I feel like that's a that's a very nice touch. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, what, what about you, Micah? Do you want to? I, in? I th this this song did for me what a lot of Berkeley Social Scene songs do, which is that obviously these guys are just so talented, and they obviously have their thing where they can just come together and they they can pound out a song what they've done like they've done over 200 of just for song fight right um yeah this will and, be their 205th entry and there's 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 so much to like the the wah plus the organ at the beginning the guitar solo the piano flourishes 
uh, great bass playing, and I almost never even like notice bass playing. And but there was some really cool stuff in here. Um, but on the other hand, like a lot of Berkeley social scene uh, songs, for me, the the vocals just really bring it down for me because there's a there's a, just a lot of moments where the pitch is kind of all over the place uh, and. Maybe it wouldn't bother me if the if the rest of the music wasn't such high quality, but it's kind of like they set the bar so high with every other element. It's so well arranged. It's so well uh, performed instrumentally. It's so well recorded and mixed that I just wish I wish that they could get. And I I I don't want to single out Martin because because I know they have a few different vocalists, but I just wish I just wish that they could consistently get the vocals to the same. Uh, the same level of that they have the every every other element. Yeah, it certainly does sound like he's straining a lot, putting a lot of effort into it. I mean, we've we've mentioned that before on this podcast too. So mm. my notes were I thought it had a you know a good sort of '60s groove, but maybe too '60s. Like uh, you know, it's awesome, but it almost sounds like it's it's doing a parody of that style. But it's it because it's so on, you know, it's so very very specific to that. But I I liked it. It doesn't matter. Uh, then there's the pre-chorus, which I also thought was strong on its own. I kind of disagree with Chumpy on this point. Then I thought it led into a really good chorus. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. Maybe my uh, standards are a little bit lower because I kind of you know have been disappointed with their choruses lately. But I thought this one was strong. Um, and then, of course, that Elvis Costello ABBA jerkatorium piano during the chorus is a <laughs> lovely touch. Yeah. You know? So um, I thought there were good dynamic changes throughout the song. And, uh, yeah, I liked it a lot, and I'm voting for it. I thought it was good. I'd also say um, I think that the the lyrics are, are pretty solid. And I think just reading a few of the reviews at some other – just in general, I think I pay attention to lyrics more than – some other at least people in their reviews but i did i thought it was a good solid conceit not super super specific but you know the idea of you know history being history as as fiction as constructed it's not a super new idea but they you know they do a good they do a good job with it yeah all right so uh next we got glenny Lenny mentioned to me that this song is in 7-8, which I guess probably surprises no one. He mentioned F-sharp Locrian. So if this song is in Locrian, that's probably why it doesn't really grab me. Uh, this is his 48th song going for his ninth win. And um, I guess my, my notes say that Glenny sounds more comfortable and natural on the vocals than I'm used to. And lately I feel like he's been going for a more sort of authentic, more charged delivery. His phrasing seems better than I remember from previous efforts. Um, but there wasn't really a strong hook in here that really got me. So it just, it was over before I knew it. And it had a lot of the touches that I associate with Glenny. I'd say that uh, I, I always welcome compound meter and I, I definitely noticed the seven eight here um you know whenever somebody moves away from the standard four four or three four i do think there's a danger and i think that glennie kind of falls into this danger which is that if you're 
you're working in a in an unusual meter you find like one rhythmic pattern that works and then you stick with it so for this one it's that dun dun dug it a dun dun da da dun dun dug it a dun dun da da and throughout basically the entire song there's some instrument or even multiple instruments are doing that rhythm and the result is that you would hope it that the song feels new and fresh because it's in an unusual meter but it ends up almost sounding monotonous and that's kind of the only problem that i had uh it's obviously i can't cast any aspersions on his on his talent as a as a player a guitar player as a singer or his arrangements or anything that's really uh that's really my one complaint and that's kind of a personal thing for me i think it just kind of gets stuck in that rut that rhythmic rut yeah yeah i think the trick to odd time signatures is making them sound smooth and natural I think uh, this song succeeds as well as any could, uh, I suppose. I'm, I'm not going to say that it's smooth because, of course, it's a little staccato in some of those sections, you, you know, on purpose. But uh, it sounds a little new wavy to me. It's a good head-bobbing tempo. Uh, I didn't find it all that really catchy, but it was fun and interesting. And uh, I thought the, the chorus was the best section. I think, I think there's an art here to carving a sense of coherence out of the the time signatures that we weren't raised on and i don't know if that's if that's really valuable though if you know what i mean it's like if our ears prefer four four for whatever reason and seven eight and five four and etc don't noticeably add to the song then i kind of think why bother you know this this is coming from me who was raised on rush and yes and uh you know jethro tull and and things like that but uh you know ultimately as as long as glennie enjoys it and as long as he's following his bliss that's all that really matters i always have sort of mixed feelings about uh you know odd time signatures but uh, mixed, mixed feelings about mixed meters that's right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, last uh, podcast, or no, the previous one before that, I noticed that Mike kept on slipping, getting on my nerves and my last nerve into the thing, and I didn't acknowledge it. So here, two podcasts later, I'm saying, I see what you did there. <laughs> nice. Astute as ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> only, only a month late. <laughs> so let's see. Next up, we got Lycanthroat. Mr. Gorbachev for tearing down this wall No more concertina wire and bright graffiti scrawl No need for crowbar no And this is his 28th entry, uh, still going for that first win So um, my notes say, I mean a lot of people I think, or at least someone else uh, liked the sort of Renfair medieval sounding in uh, intro so I thought that was cool. I mean, I, I often like really like Lycanthroat's lyrics, and one thing that stood out to me is that the word Cinnabon appeared in his lyrics, which I have to think that that is some sort of reference to our last podcast, but maybe not. I'm, I'm thinking it might be a reference to Paco Del Stinko's song specifically without the aid of our podcast, but who knows? <laughs> so independently, he heard Cinnabon in Paco's song and then keyed in on it. Hey, we did it independently, you and I, you know, so. Yeah, that's, I guess that's, I'd like, that's possible. I'd like, 
I'd like to think that just everyone is thinking about Cinnabon all the time. I mean, I, are you guys not? Like, that, that is kind of the default. Speaking yeah. of that, I'd like to take this moment to address one of our sponsors, Cinnabon. <laughs> <laughs> when ordinary cinnamon rolls just won't do. Yeah. Uh, I also like the sort of quirky percussion, uh, you know, and it had kind of an interesting rhythm to it that I liked. And I think he mentioned that in the, in the boards that this was his first attempt at double tracking vocals. And um, I did notice his vocals were a little bit better in places. So in particular, there's this section that begins, uh, Ich bin ein Berliner. And I thought that whole like phrase was good in that it had a consistent melody the whole way through. Both sets of vocals seem to be you know on key, and it just worked, which is something that he struggles with vocally. You know, oftentimes the pitches are pretty wonky, and they're not always consistently the same melody. So I feel like that was a good um, a good improvement for him. I mean, it wasn't consistent throughout the whole song. There was still some of those old you know, where the, the melody's on a completely loose footing and you're really not sure where it's going to go next. But I thought that was a good, um, at least a good start on getting it consistent throughout the whole song. So, um, yeah, so those are my notes on Lycanthrope. What do you think, Micah? Yeah, I will I will freely admit that I am a, a Lycanthrope partisan. Like, uh, you know, I am I am all in for Lycanthrope. For the for starters, he has the best stage name in music history. Like I, there's a part of me that wants to murder him so that I can make music as like and throat. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just it's just so good. Aside from that, I mean, I think he's maybe maybe the best lyricist on song yes. fight right yes. now he consistently goes in a direction that you don't necessarily expect that finds works really well uh here you know tearing down the berlin wall uh, tearing history down it probably it probably jumped right out to him uh he manages to have some really nice nuance in it you know he acknowledges there's an acknowledgement that life in east berlin was not super great but there's also this deep ambivalence about the uh, runaway capitalism that has replaced it, you know, the boutiques and the chain stores and the consumer debt and, of course, the Cinnabon. Uh, but he just, yeah, he has great turns of phrase. And I think he's unencumbered enough by formal training and sort of expectations about how musical arrangements are supposed to work that he actually ends up coming with some pretty cool and interesting and unexpected musical ideas. Um, I think that the arrangement this time around was not at his top form, but, you know, it was solid. The one aspect of the arrangement that I thought didn't really work was in the verses, there's like like the first line has kind of a, like a quarter note uh, chords underneath it or something, and then the second line has like 16th note chords, like really fast, da-da-da-da-da, out of nowhere, and then they go away, and it was just... It didn't. It did not work for me. Uh, otherwise, you know, I think it's fun. I think it's good stuff. Uh, as a singer, you know, he's not a virtuoso singer, but I don't hold that against him. And I don't want Martin from Berkeley Social Scene to get mad at me because I'm not calling him out. I'm not calling Lycanthrope out on his own pitch issues. But it's just as a, you know, as a part of the whole package. It's kind of it's like the Lycanthrope package. I will take it every time. Yeah, there, there's something about it. You, you, if you're if you're going to if 
if you're forcing yourself to enjoy a lycanthrope song, then you also have to, you know, enjoy the voice that comes with it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that we didn't mention here is this song actually changes time signatures uh, a yes. couple of times. It goes, it starts out in three four time, and then uh, goes into four four for the verses and the choruses. And then it goes back into three, four for the instrumental bits. And so it, it goes back and forth between it, which is, you know, something I wouldn't bother to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's yeah. like I, I, I give him props for that. And, and then that. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. go ahead. Well, just that that for me is is maybe more interesting than something like what Glennie did with uh, the consistent seven meter throughout keeping the listener on their toes by switching between meters is, is probably more interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Glenn, Glennie of course is not shy of, of switching meter himself, you know, but he didn't do it this time around, but, uh, but yeah, no, this was, uh, this was kind of unexpected and, uh, and it worked really well and it didn't, you know, it, it didn't scream out, Hey, I'm changing time signatures. It was a good natural flow. So, uh, but yeah, great lyrics as usual. But uh, I used to be on the like and throat train. I'm I'm not as strongly on it anymore. I mean, he's so stuck on that sound, which I'm assuming is a sampled acoustic guitar, uh, sampled into a keyboard track. And from the speed and uniformity of it, of some of it, I'm guessing that he's programming it manually instead of performing it. Now I have nothing, nothing, you know, nothing at all against programming keyboards. I do that constantly myself. But it doesn't sound like someone is playing a guitar. If that's what he's going for, uh, it just sounds, you know, very, very lichen throat. You know, and the the more I scrutinize the song, the less I liked it. You know, when it comes right down to it, the bass line doesn't move beyond the repeating chord bass note uh, during the verses or the chorus. It only kind of varies during that bass solo section, which was which was fine. But other stuff like you know that cymbal cutoff at the end is really sloppy. The melody wasn't adventurous. You know, it, it just pretty much mirrors the the chord progression. You know, dun 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 dun. You know, and which which is always a little bit of an annoyance for me. It's like I really like Hoblet, but he does that constantly, so I don't like the songs where he does that. And I hear that a lot in this song. It's a bit of a an annoyance to me. Can I can I go on a little bit of a tangent here? Oh yeah. So when I was in college, I played in a Javanese gamelan ensemble. Um, which is a, it's a set, it's Indonesian genre. It's a set of gongs and struck metallophones. So like xylophones or marimbas except made out of metal. And um, the guiding compositional principle is called heterophony, which is where there's a, a single, a basic melody and all of the instruments have their own different ways of elaborating that melody. So, if you're writing a piece, you just write that melody and then like every instrument know ever does its own thing to elaborate it. Uh, and that's kind of what his music reminds me of, because like you said, you know, you have the, the voice kind of just moving along with the chord progression. And he often has uh, instrumental melody. That's basically the same as the vocal melody. And they're even happening at the same time, but it's not exactly the same. Cause he'll, he does tiny little things and it it might not even be intentional, but that's the kind of the feeling that I get is this sort of folk ish heterophonic cool thing. Anyway, I'm really into it. Okay. 
Yeah. That's uh, as valid as anything. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that dismissively. I'm just saying that you know some people uh, dig that, and uh, I I just notice it often when it's uh, when it's really kind of glaringly following it. Or I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'm just stretching for something to criticize. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of tempted to give him an encouragement vote, but he doesn't seem to be. You know, people don't have to, but he doesn't really seem to be evolving. Uh, he doesn't, you know, it's, it's always the same set of instruments. I don't know, man. It's like, I, I kind of want him to, to move occasionally. I can't, I can't name the songs that he did, but it's like when he kind of ventures out a little bit, it really impresses the hell out of me. Sure. Um, but other than the time change signature, this is a very typical lichen throat songs with both the strengths and the weaker parts. And by the strengths, I mean, the lyrics, the lyrics are fantastic. Yeah, I, I'd, we've, we've, I'd say he's evolving a little tiny bit. I mean, this is the first time that he's double-tracked vocals. I, I didn't notice that. I wasn't listening for it, though. I just, I, it didn't sound any different to me than any other uh, like and throat track that way. So I, I didn't get it. And we, we, we could note maybe, and I, I haven't pulled up the archive or anything, but he's got like, like 20, 20, he's got more songs than me. Um, but 28. he's only. He's only been doing this for like surely less than two years, right? Like, he's uh he's been around. He's he's been a real trooper. Uh, he's been doing a lot. He has been open, uh, in the boards to people, you know, giving him suggestions and stuff like that. That's uh, that's awesome. He, you know, but uh, I want to hear him stretch his wings a little bit. I want to hear something a little a little different. Uh, and again, this was different. I appreciate the change in time signatures. It was really clever and everything. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just to make this section longer than it really needs to be, uh, you mentioned Glenny likes to change time signatures too. I remember on the 43 hours fights, he said, my song relates to the number 43 on the boards. And Lunkhead said, is that how many time signature changes the song has? <laughs> <laughs> Lunkhead is always flipping him yeah. shit on the boards, which I love. <laughs> Okay, Lycan Throat's first one was Pitchfork Nation, which was November of 2016, so so just under two years. So it's so, but my point is that he's he's done a lot of songs, but compared to lots of other people, he hasn't he's done that in a fairly short period of time. Yeah. And I think he's got a lot of room to improve, too. Once he starts, like, looking at his pitches in a pitch editor and maybe correcting them or working on them, he could he could really go places. Yeah. That yeah. might not happen to you, because I think he uses Linux to uh, to create his songs, and that may be a place where he doesn't have the, you know, the greatest tooling. Oh, so, like, he might not have the, the kinds of instruments that we have just at our fingertips? I'm pretty or... sure that's the case, yeah. Oh, I wonder if that's it, then. That would not surprise me. Holy cow! All right, we'll have to we'll have to put a lichen throat collab on the back burner. Maybe we can we can figure this out. That's right. That's right. All right. So we we mentioned how the podcast title is no longer accurate. So we should change this to uh, Micah makes Jerkatorium talk only about lichen throat podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh yeah, that's uh, it's uh, uh Micah improves the podcast by etc. Yeah, no, <laughs> by uh, not being a jerk. <laughs> I mean, we're only we're only 3 songs in, guys. All right, oh, so yeah. we should probably move on to Paco then. Uh,
will be his 206th entry which is just one more than Berkeley social scene <laughs> um, and going for that 11th win so uh, my notes just say I for one welcome our new Paco del Stinko overlords uh, you know I had a hard time finding anything to complain about on this song like um, I'm always <laughs> I'm a little bit overwhelmed by the fact that he came up with a guitar riff and he has a pretty you know solid guitar riff in there i'm like why don't i ever think of that why don't i think of guitar riffs because it really works so there's some good riffs some um, and then there's like not just one but like two pretty hot guitar solos some great production just some really good backing vocals i don't know i couldn't find anything to criticize at all and i feel like he's on his way to another win yeah, Paco, e- even more than Berkeley Social Scene, for me, Paco is incredibly consistent in, in, in quality, really. Quality of production, arrangements, performance. Uh, you mentioned the guitar solos. They're great. The riff is great. The backing vocals is great. Uh, and <laughs> like Berkeley Social Scene also, it's the voice that gets me every time. Uh, except, like, he's he's a good singer, actually. He's on point. I mean, his backing vocals are amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's like, he, he just has the kind of voice, and it's just the voice he has that, to me, personally, it's like... <laughs> and and it... I, I, I'm sure he's a great guy. He, I, and I, this, see, this is now I'm being a jerk because I'm just like talking about this guy's voice. <laughs> Welcome it's, to it's the club. The voice that he has. Uh, but to me, it makes every song that he does sound a little bit like a comedy song. Yeah, like he's like mugging he's, a little bit. He sounds like he's joking. And this song is about, you know, American fascism in 2018. And if you just, lo- if you read the lyrics, which are pretty darn good, uh, it's, like it's not it doesn't come across as a joke if you just read it uh but when you're listening to it it's like there's that edge to it okay take away from me i should really read the lyrics well well i if you do you'll notice that he comes in hot and early with that hitler reference <laughs> so <laughs> i mean yeah. I'm there's not, like I'm a godwin's law thing it. here exactly exactly i'm kind of like it's it's like i can't remember it's like the second line or something like that. maybe I, I, it seems like it's so so early it's like oh okay all right fine mm-hmm. what's, what's that's where we're going uh but yeah i thought it was great rock and roll uh the backing vocals great great stuff uh he, he did you know really really well with that uh i always appreciate you know backing vocals done well um and it, it, it uh, to me, it struck me like a good song in a rock opera. You know, it's got this sort of theatrical feel uh, to it. And uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, definitely a vote for me. Yeah. Again, d- d- with with really good songs, it's kind of hard to to, ta- to talk about them. You know, we <laughs> right. Can't, uh, can't find anything. Oh, well, it would have been better if blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, I got nothing. All right, so next up we've got Philipso. Well, you failed to mention 
So this is their fourth song, and um, he and Glennie played in bands together, like I mentioned earlier. This is his little brother, Woody. Um, and I, I don't know, I keep coming back to this, but I'm hearing um, an increased confidence and swagger in Glennie's vocals. Uh, whatever it is, I like it. Like, uh, my ears really picked up when I heard him sing this line, You're so damn renowned. Which, you know, if it if it wasn't sold, like, if it wasn't sung with some, like, I mean what I'm saying, I would just think, oh, this is kind of an awkward delivery on a strange line. And I, you know, I just kind of go, I don't know what to do with this, but I believe it. Like, I'm still not sure exactly what to make of it, but I believe it. Um, and there's, like, another line he sings, Unpacking the Mystery, and maybe we have a clip of some of these um, that I'm mentioning. And he's just got a little bit of growl to his voice, and he's just really selling it. We're unpacking the mystery. And his vocals remind me of um, this guy David Lowry from Camper Van Beethoven and Cracker. Um, you know, and normally I, I find his vocals a little bit less interesting than that, so... If this is a new trend in... I mean, I think last fight, his uh, his vocals were pretty aggressive. Like, almost bordering on grunge. But he's toned it down a little bit here, and uh, I'm a fan. Um, This song, I... As I'm searching for things to, to talk about it, I find I can, like, only talk about the lyrics. And I don't know... I don't know how, you know, we've... There's another song that in, in our emails, uh, while well, you guys were kind of debating how political we want to get here, but I'll just say uh, this song I am 95% sure is about a uh, certain man who's looking for a certain job as a political appointee despite certain allegations against him um, who is in the news right now. Um, and it's really interesting because I, I mean, I didn't catch on to that until I read the lyrics and even reading the lyrics, I don't, I don't get a sense of how the songwriter actually feels about this extremely divisive political moment that's happening right now. And I, f it just, fe it feels very removed, very kind of this is a thing that's happening. Let me write a song about this thing. And this is a really difficult thing to write a song about if you're not going to take a position on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, this, this whole sort of point in history is kind of a, you know, coyness is out the window. Uh, we, yeah. Coyness is weird at this point. It's, it's like you, it, it, the, the point is lost. And and then and then there's a there's a pun thrown in for, you know, and I love puns, but <laughs> it's like, re read the room, Glennie. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of dad joke, Micah. <laughs> okay, the whole point, the whole point of the, I mean, you know, dad joke. It's gonna be about puns. It's, not, it's like this. It's like, oh, I'm going to write a song about this uh, Supreme Court nomination. Let me throw in a, uh, you know, Latin grammar pun. Yeah, um, too soon. I don't know. So, I mean, musically, it's fine. It's good. Obviously, you know, we know that Glennie is, is more talented than all three of us put together. Uh, and his brother doesn't seem like such a, he, you know, he's no slouch himself. Uh, but that, those are my thoughts.
that's uh, that's that's a good take. I I hadn't I honestly hadn't made that connection until you mentioned it, and now I that's all I see in this song, and uh, it, it's troubling. It's uh, you know, anyhow, uh, for, but otherwise, I thought uh, the song sounded kind of Almond Brothersy. Um, it's like Almond Brothers meets Glennie. Uh, and, uh, it's, it also seems like, you know, perhaps other than the, the lyrics that it seems like Philipso designed this song to get Chumpy's vote, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, uh, the, the double guitars yep. and, uh, and that guitar work is just lovely. Guitar really he calls it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm green with envy about the real drums. Um, that symbol at the end was like, Oh, Oh Yeah. You know, Kyle is not everything that we might want him to be. He he couldn't do that. You know, it's just just this one kind of cymbal sound at the end, which is like, oh damn, that's real real drums. So, I uh, I'm gonna have to kind of reassess after looking at these these lyrics. It's it's always tricky doing political stuff. And I, I don't want I don't want to like cast moral aspersions. Like I don't want to I don't want to accuse them of a moral failing. It just it just really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're supposed to be able to enjoy a song on all levels, and if something's bugging you about it, then then it takes you away from it, and uh, and it's valid. Any anything that you can you know pin something that's upsetting about it is valid. I think. You know? One point I'd like to make is that um, since the Trump election, Deep Throat has been increasingly political with his titles. I don't know if if that's just me who thinks that, but I kind of feel like some of these titles have a very clear political bent. I have noticed that as well. And it's been a little bit frustrating to me because it certainly it certainly opens that space for some people who go up who you know who really just grab it and run with it. And then for anybody who's like I don't I don't have a hot take on whatever this is, you're kind of left scrounging for some other weird uh, interpretation to to go with. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I can't remember if it was before or after the election, but the uh, the prayer the pray for Texas fight. Oh God. Uh, you know, uh, Chumpy and I were talking about whether or not we were going to do a song, and I was I was dead set against it because I thought there was no way to win that. You know, you could either make it schmaltzy and sin- sincere and earnest, which would be schmaltzy. Uh, or you could uh, do something that was, you know, somewhat uh, parody or sarcastic or critical of something or other, which would seem, you know, poorly timed and uh, insensitive. And mm-hmm. and it just seemed like there was there was no way to to yeah. do anything that that could you know that could that you could win. It turned out that there were two ways to win it, which was sub- <laughs> submit the one song or submit the other song. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan really did not like my lyrical take, which is you can vote for Texas if you want to, but praying is stupid and Texas doesn't frankly deserve it. That was a pretty hot take. Yeah. <laughs> but I that also is thought... my, I'm, my, my fingers are scorching right now. <laughs> yeah. But I, I and, felt and... like we would have won that fight had had we had we delivered on that but we would have felt bad about it and i don't know again i thought that 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 was that was not a winning strategy and i don't <laughs> again winning winning is not the i'm not talking about song fight winning i'm just saying this this is like a song that that kind of no matter how it ended up 
I would never listen to again after that week. You know, I just knew that it's like, well, is it going to be semi-political or super political? You know, nobody's going to remember that Texas was flooded, you know, uh, two years from now when Tennessee's flooded or whatever. Right, right. So, yeah. So it just just didn't seem like like there was any way to, to do it in a way that I would be happy with it. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, the song I wrote about Senator Roy Moore potentially getting elected to the Senate or Roy Moore, excuse me, Roy Moore potentially getting elected to the Senate. Like, I'm never going to listen to that song again. <laughs> that's, that's not that's not Senator Roy Moore. That's twice removed from the <laughs> Alabama Supreme Court Judge Roy Moore. Yes. Right. No. That guy. Yeah. Uh, one other point before we move on from Philipsa, uh, Glennie mentioned in his email to me that uh, Woody played drums on that since you mentioned you like the drums and they just had a single mic, like a single room mic for the entire drum kit. And because whenever I think about recording drums, I'm like, oh, my God, I t- so totally never want to do that because it requires like a million mics and for you to have talent. And I just don't want to be involved in that. But apparently <laughs> yeah. you can do it with one mic. So, and have it go. sound when, good enough for Ryan to comment on. Yeah. When I, when I was in high school, I did a couple songs with live drums and I had the, uh, the single omnidirectional tiny microphone that came with my 1998 Dell desktop computer. Um, and in fact, they did sound terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Too hard. All right, cool. Speaking of politics, next up, we've got pig farmer jr. Well, the be his 63rd song um and he did in fact have a win in that pray for texas fight speaking of and let's see my notes say hey great we got drums we got multiple guitars we got dynamics um one complaint i had is like i felt like the vocal phrasing could use a little bit of work in places like there's this line that says a statue ain't nothing but and then there's a long pause what you see which is just awkward and weird. And I'm like, oh my God, what does statues have to do with tearing history down? Totally clueless. Oh, chumpy. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, I'm an idiot. I should really read the lyrics. I should think about things a little more, but that's apparently not what I focused on. Um, And then I remember also thinking, oh my God, I hate that snare drum. Like there's just this snare drum that is monotonously banging away. Um, But hey, it's drums. So... I'm yeah, happy. I'm happy there are drums. Yeah, yeah, I think that so. may have been him playing drums. No, no, that was a drum. That had to have been a drum machine because the timing is on. Really bad yeah. one. Okay, Micah, you you got a take on this song? You know what? I didn't. I thought so hard about what I wanted to say, and I didn't even write anything down. And I was like, I was like, I I couldn't prepare anything, so I'll just say things when the podcast is actually happening, and somehow that'll be better. Um, I can but launch in. I got. I, I got do. a lot written down. You. Why don't you go ahead, Ryan, and then okay. I and then I might respond to to you. Okay. All right. So, I thought that the music is fine enough. Uh, I'm glad that it's nominally more than just G and G. You know, it's it's really just drums, acoustic guitar, and electric guitar, and uh, and voice, and that's it. It's a, it's a pretty dull song though, you know, and uh, as you know, we kind of emailed back and forth together before this, I think the lyrics have problems. Uh, I agree that, you know, a statue ain't nothing but what you see 
Uh, and, uh, you know, that statement suggests its relative lack of importance. But if you're minimizing the importance of a statue, then you can't come back and say, well, the statue is unimportant, but yet it's so important that it should not be removed. So uh, my, my main thought, and I'm just going to barrel ahead with this, is that uh, I know what the song is about, and the narrator is still upset that the statues of Saddam Hussein in Iraq and the statues of Muammar Gaddafi in Libya were torn down after the regimes were toppled. And uh, I disagree. You know, those were instances that were initiated by the people of that area, the members of those communities who came together in the understanding that those people no longer reflected their values and that symbols of veneration and idolization to those military figures weren't wanted anymore. You know, did that erase them from history and memory? No, of course not. A statue is not a history book. It's just a symbol for admiration. And um, I'll say it, I'm surprised Pig Farmer Jr. is such a big fan of Saddam Hussein and such a big supporter of <laughs> Muammar Gaddafi. You know, I'm, st I'm surprised that he's still pissed that their statues were destroyed. And I didn't realize he was so invested in those, uh, in those awful people. But uh, the thing is, if I somehow got it wrong and he isn't talking about those specific statues, then it doesn't matter because the exact same reasoning applies to whichever statues he is talking about. Right. And, you know, one thing you did mention in our conversation, we had an email about this, is that you said he's saying, you know, they're taking away our our memory, trying to erase our history. They're taking history down like there's some kind of us and them. But, you know, I, I imagine a lot of Southerners feel that way. Like, you know, they may disagree with, uh, you know, obviously they, they disagree with slavery and they, they don't feel like that everything necessarily that that happened in the past was good or worth celebrating. But it's still something, you know, still part of their heritage and they may have feelings about it. So, yeah, um, but it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous to say that taking down uh, this uh, this symbol of, you know, some dude poised in a heroic, you know, uh, sort of pose is is history. It isn't. I mean, all that history is still there. It's still in the books. You know, none of that's going away. Uh, but just portraying them in a heroic manner is what is what what their community, you know, this isn't interlopers coming in and saying, let's get rid of these these anti-abolitionist statues. It's people in their own community saying, like, listen, this is way overdue. You know, they don't reflect our values anymore. So let's get them out of here. There's no reason to stand in the way of that. I do think so. I, I have no problem with taking down Confederate statues at all. At the same time, I can I can imagine that somebody might be frustrated that, for example, there is no mainstream movement to take down the Washington Monument or to rename Washington, D.C., even though George Washington was a slaveholder and had he been born 80 years later, probably would have fought for the Confederacy. One might feel that we're being selective in our in deciding who from the past to decide to stop venerating and who to continue venerating despite everybody being problematic now at the yeah. same time slavery was really bad and fighting an entire war specifically for the purpose of maintaining the institution of slavery super duper bad so again I don't have a problem with taking down the statues. 
you know, I mean, it's it's an open question, and it's up to society to decide how how far you go. That's, yeah, and that's my our, take. Yeah, we can guess what Washington may or may not have done, but the thing is, he didn't. You know, it's like he wasn't alive in order to do it. He didn't have the opportunity, but he didn't have to make that choice, and he didn't make that choice. He still had slaves, and I'm not going to dismiss that or anything. But if we are going to use that as a metric for you know everybody, then we're going to you know. The, the point is that, you know, the people who did uh, fight hard to prevent emancipation are the people who uh, the, the, the specific statues that we're talking about in this instance. Right. One other kind of uh, anecdote I had was that uh, I was in Rome a few years ago and I learned about something called uh, I think it's called Damnatio uh, Memoriae where like disgraced and discredited Roman politicians and royalty could be erased from history. Like their statues were defaced and their portraits were destroyed and mention of them in any kind of records or anything were expunged. And um, there were people like uh, Herostratus and Geta Severus and Elagabalus and Lucius Sejanus and Lucius Commodus. They were all, you know, subject to Demnatio Memoriae uh, memoriae or whatever however you say it but anyhow you you know how i can still access the histories of those people that i listed from literally thousands of years later it's because it isn't didn't work you know not even back then before history books existed as such anyway you know it just didn't work and if they couldn't obliterate history back then then they sure as heck can't get rid of it now so you know for all of these you know concerns about uh eliminating history it's it's kind of a moot-ish point you know we can't help but remain outraged over say you know china's attempts to suppress the history of tiananmen square massacre but nothing is going to remove uh, anything from history and uh, and you know with these discussions you know people aren't actually trying to remove uh, these you know Confederate soldiers or Gaddafi or Saddam Hussein from history they just don't want these romanticized statues around of them looking noble because they weren't noble people and or they were you know not fighting for a noble cause those were some of my kind of big thoughts on it anyway yeah yeah, yeah. Right. I, I will make one comment about the music uh now that we've spent a very long time talking about the lyrics which is that we've mentioned how it's it's kind of simplistic there's not you know the 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 backing is is you know there's not a lot holding not a lot going on uh this was one of only two songs from this fight that actually was stuck in my head while i was not listening to the fight so you know, it, it was it's a simple melody, but it was actually a memorable one. Yeah, you know, I think that's one of Pig Farmer's strengths, too. He, he can write a decent melody. All right. Um, I would like to take this moment to talk about Cinnabon. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in a mall, visit a Cinnabon. Tastes yeah. like diabetes. <laughs> that's why we have to tear it down. <laughs> All right. So next we've got Third Cat. is third cat's 10th song coming off a very strong performance in the thin air fight 
He finished in second with 21 votes, just two votes behind Paco. If he didn't vote for himself, he probably should have. Um, but see, I like this song a lot, but there was something about the chorus that didn't feel quite right to me. And, you know, again, I think I'm harping on vocal phrasing. This just shows you what I was listening for in some of these songs. And like during the chorus, it feels like some of the phrasing is just a little bit off the beat. Like um, there's this line in the chorus, nothing before, nothing again. And that's where I really notice it. And then there's a final, you know, he repeats the line, there's only now three times. And on the third one, he just varies the timing a little bit and it just doesn't quite work for me. And it, and it just sounds awkward. But other than that, it's got a lot of the great, you know, layering of synths and sounds that I really like about Third Cat's song. And I feel like it won't be long now before one of his songs actually wins. Yeah, I um, I've been I've been away from Song Fight for a few months, so I had not. This is the first Third Cat song that I heard, and I should go back and listen to the rest of them because he, you know, he just kind of popped up and he's been going bang, bang, bang. It looks like it. Um, and I like this. I like this a lot. It's well performed. It's well recorded. The uh, the vocals are, you know, good. He's a good singer. There's a few off notes, but really minor. Um, the lyrics, uh, kind of nebulous, you know, not a lot concrete to grab onto. I can't, I'm not looking at the lyrics right now and I don't remember any of them at all. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's good stuff. One thing I noticed about his vocals is that in the chorus, he jumps up to a higher register during part of it. And he also, but when he jumps up to that higher register, he also is a lot quieter. And, you know, I think I do that as well. He just, if you're gonna like miss a high note, you just, you don't have a lot of confidence and you sing it a little <laughs> bit softer. Um, and I think there's some of that, which is in the chorus, which is a weird spot. Ryan usually goes through and like automates the volume up. So when, whenever I do that, or just makes me do it again, because <laughs> Ryan is an evil taskmaster. Yeah. I um I I manually adjust the 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 envelope for, for like this. You Ryan, you would hate watching me master because I master in audacity and I literally take the like the the envelope tool and I was like, oh, this wave is too big. I'm just gonna push it down a little bit. Honestly, I think that's more like what I do. I think that Chumpy would be horrified at both of us. Because, you know, I tend to do everything, you know, direct. Like even when I, you know, when I edit this podcast, I'm going to go through and I'm going to kind of visually see where, where Mike's laughs come in. And I'm going to have <laughs> to automate those down. And instead of like trying to do some weird trick or anything, I just, just go through it and uh, do what we call automation, where you take the, uh, a, a small section of volume for that track and just bring it down. So, yeah. Yeah, I do that too. Uh, when I'm, you know, doing it for individual vocal tracks, I'll just go in and and bring down the gain on any uh, on any given wave too. So yeah, maybe not the least clunky way of doing it, but it's worked so far. Manual compression, it totally works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could just hit a button, but no. Instead, I want to take a look at every waveform. Yeah. Well, anyhow, um, I, I, my thoughts were that I, I love the intro of this song, you know. But what it launches into after that is is somewhat less interesting. Um, do they have a female vocalist mirroring the lead vocal track, or is it just Third Cat singing in a higher register? I don't know. I, I, it could be. I, I guess it sounds like it sounds like a, somebody singing exactly the same words. 
uh, just uh, much higher. And I guess I assumed that it was a, a female a vocal lead mirroring it. It's, it's a bit a, in the background. Yeah. That might be the fourth cat. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I like that. Yeah. I, I think the song is fine. It's not incredibly engaging. Uh, except for the intro and outro, the song doesn't really, really, really have a lot of meat for me. So uh, I was actually undecided on whether or not I was going to vote for it. And I was hoping for some peer pressure one way or the other from you guys. Uh, what do you, what do you guys think? Are you going to vote for it or is it not quite up to there? Uh, you don't have to answer if you want to be, no, I, I honestly always take so long to decide who I'm actually going to vote for. There might be like a couple that I know I'm going to vote for, but then I'm always like, uh, this, you know, depending on how generous I feel for this one, like, you know, I really enjoyed listening to it, but kind of as soon as it went on to another song, it's like, well, I remember that I really liked it, but I don't remember anything else about it. So that's kind. Of, that's a little bit how I feel about this one, but on the other hand, uh, I'm kind. Of, you know, he's newish, but he's really been cranking him out. So I might throw him one to uh, you know see if he can get that first win. Yeah, and votes are free, so. <laughs> so yeah, I, I guess I guess if I'm going to stick to my own gut, then maybe I should vote for him just because you know I tend to vote for a lot, and if if a if a song doesn't actively annoy me, then then I usually support it. So yeah, yeah okay. You know, my philosophy on voting can change from fight to fight. Sometimes I think if I just want to hear more from this person, I'll vote for them. Mm -hmm. Then I definitely want to hear more from this person. So let's see. Next, we've got Tim Hinkle. I never doubted it was true. If you won't learn from history, it just repeats on you. But all the same, it must be said. We should spend a lot of time discussing our days with the dead. His uh, tenth song since his debut in 2005. Uh, looking for that first win, and um, let's see what do my, what do my notes say. Uh, I like his voice. He's got this, this sort of deep and strong voice, which with a natural sounding vibrato, like he can do just kind of a gentle vibrato without like over accentuating it or making it sound like warbly, like my terrible vibrato so i appreciate that um and my, my notes also say that this is probably the most soulful use of a kazoo i have ever heard um oh, yeah. i actually think the kazoo part sounds pretty damn great and you know not ridiculous at all like it's like musically i think it sounds good and soulful and has some feeling to it which you know uh, juxtapo- juxtaposed against the kazoo's kind of overly cheesy sound. That's you know that's that's interesting and not easy to do. Um, I also liked his sort of poppy arrangement and I like the lo-fi drum sounds. You know I, I think I like just about everything out of this song. This um, this may be one of my favorites of the fight. I mean I was wowed by Paco's sort of um, just his polish and the fact that he gets so much right. But uh, I really I connected with this song and I liked it every time I listened to it. Yeah, I uh, I have to apologize to to my main man Lycanthrope because this is unambiguously my favorite song of the fight. Uh, Tim Hinkle's song right here. Uh, this is the besides aside from Pig Farmer Juniors, this was the other one that actually got 
caught in my head that from right from the beginning that it's this really great really great vocal melody with you know nice rhythmic contrasts it's got a wide range it made it so that i really didn't mind that the accompaniment is fairly pedestrian uh but it you know because the melody was so engaging that did not bother me at all the lyrics great clever wordplay nice rhymes there's a definite point of view it's kind of in in contrast to pig farmers pig farmers song is basically like there is some remembering of the past that needs to be done and this song is like there is some forgetting of the past that needs to be done <laughs> it was not in your face it was kind of subtle but it but it was a very specific point of view and the lyrics the construction of the lyrics really supported it it was great uh oh and yeah the kazoos amazing amazing um, there are four of them i think uh, yeah, I, I there were I was listening. It's like I'm I'm like there's at least three in here. Yeah, and there and it's it's polyphony. It's like you know there's there's an independent kazoo bass line and like <laughs> over you know overlapping. It's all rhythmically different. It's like I'm really curious if he if he just kind of improvised it, you know, going along with the chord progression, or if he actually like mapped out the different parts because it's really intricate and it's really impressive. And it sounds good. It sounds like a joke only, I think, because it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like we, we have this voice and guitar and this spare percussion, and then suddenly, bam, we have multi-part kazoo polyphony. So <laughs> I would have I maybe liked if it had been integrated a little bit better, but it was just so much fun to listen to. Absolutely. And then my only other, my only other complaint... Uh, and this is a very gentle critique because I have I have been there for sure. But I think that Mr. Tim Hinkle should not be singing as low as he thinks he should be singing. Oh, yeah. Uh, he reaches for a low note and kind of yeah, misses. to the past. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it wasn't that bad, but like. And this is this is I, this comes from a place of experience because when I sang in choirs, when I started singing in choirs, I sang bass, and me and all my other bass friends were very invested in singing bass as part of our identity. It, looking back now, it's completely ridiculous, and <laughs> I actually I sing tenor in choirs now because I actually sound a lot better uh, in my higher register than lower register. But there's you know I think for a lot of men and boys uh but i've this obviously this gentleman is a grown man since i assume since he's been doing music since 2005 um but uh yeah there's that there's that poll that's like i can sing low uh but it's like maybe maybe not that low you know johnny cash is like literally like a one in a million kind of voice and it's like if you don't really have it like maybe maybe don't go for it. That is saying bass. Exactly. That was a really that was you know thank you for perfectly uh, illustrating my point that Chumpy should not sing low. Uh, so. <laughs> for sure. 
<laughs> so, but I, I don't, you know, I don't want to harp on him too bad because that really, even though I just spent like three minutes talking about it, that was like a kind of my, it just kind of made me roll my eyes, but I did enjoy the song so, so very much. Yeah. Although some of those low notes he hits are gorgeous. Like, I think he just needs to be up like a whole step or something and he'd be there. Yeah, no. it's, it's it's only the very very lowest note that he has has trouble with. I mean, you guys already kind of stole all my notes. I just mentioned <laughs> that it was like catchy as hell, but hey man, you, you got to nail those low notes if you're going to do that. Otherwise, you know, get a capo and modulate the song up a step or two because it's really just perfectly fine on everything except for the very 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 lowest notes. Uh, just bring it up a little bit. Um, but yeah, the other thing is, you know, how can you not, you know, love that uh, kazoo solo? I'm not, I'm not going to go as far as Chumpy, who said it was not ridiculous. Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine with ridiculous, especially with, you know, in this song with this kazoo solo. But yeah, you, you, you're dead inside if you can't enjoy a kazoo solo. So yeah, it's not a solo. It's an entire <laughs> kazoo quartet. Like it's, it's insane, man. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Does he bend a note or two on that kazoo on the kazoo part? I don't know. It sounds cool. All right, I think that's it. Let's see. Do we have any any? Oh, are we going to do that thing where we kind of say who we're voting for or not voting for? We're going to skip that. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So uh, I can just start at the top, and we'll work our way down. So uh, did BSS earn your vote? It's a yes from me. Uh, No. Um, And I think I'm going to also give them a no on that one as well. Um, And I think my strategy for voting is I want to give the two songs who I really think deserve to win the opportunity to do that by not inflating anyone else. I think I I expend my votes like a never-ending box of Kleenex. It's like, yeah, sure, why not? (laughs) I, um, I, I don't have any, like, threshold. I know many people only vote for two. I don't have any particular threshold, but, um, I... I'm going to vote for songs that that excite me and that I find really interesting. And like Berkeley Social Scene, I mean consistently the the performance, the arrangement, everything is is top quality, but it just doesn't always excite me. Yeah. Uh speaking of doesn't always excite you, how did you feel about the Glenny song? I'm I'm going to I'm going to pass on him as well, though I have to admire uh I have to admire both his prodigious talents and the prodigious number of N's in his name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan, what do, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm going to vote for it uh, again. Uh, I, and I don't want to minimize the vote too much, but yeah, it's just because, you know, I, I, I do vote for a lot and uh, this one, you know, it was, it wasn't bad. So cool. I didn't have anything that annoyed me and uh, it was, it had stuff that I uh, admired. So it was good. I'm saving my ammo for the songs I feel strongly about, so this one didn't quite make the cut. Um, next is Lycanthroat. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? Okay, I'm not voting for it, and it's because because uh, the more that I scrutinized the song, the more I disliked it, and the more I saw, yeah, okay, this is a little too simple, and uh, I, I really want him to kind of stretch out before I start giving him you know, encouragement votes. All right. Let's see. Micah, what do you think? I know you're a Lycanthroat fan. Lycanthroat 2020. He's got my vote. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if he runs, I'll vote for him. Uh, just just for the, the song fight, though. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm 
I'm also going to give Lycanthro the vote. Um, I don't think he's going to challenge the other two competitors that I really want to win. So I'm going to give him an encouragement vote on this. Uh, I didn't realize that he switched time signatures. God, I need to listen a little more carefully. Um, but I like that he's reached, you know, that he's branching out. He's multi-tracking his, his, his vocals. And I also like that he, uh, he plugged our sponsor, Cinnabon. <laughs> Uh, let's see. <laughs> that that okay for those of you listening. That to me legitimately sounded like like Chumpy just pressed a button and played a clip of him saying Cinnabon, uh, because the enunciation was just so commercial perfect. But that was in fact real life. <laughs> he just said Cinnabon, as if as if he has a paycheck coming to him. <laughs> which I mean, maybe he knows something I don't. <laughs> well, well, the, the pro- he can't get a paycheck because he won't give his real name. So. <laughs> yeah, my bank will not cash a check made to Chumpy Wumpikins. <laughs> He's tried. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, for Paco, Ryan, what do you think? You going to vote for Paco? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's kind of no way not to. There's no I way mean, not to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm... you just, you just move the mouse and then you like don't hit the button when you're hovering <laughs> over the little check box that's my strategy (laughs) (laughs) it works that way uh, i don't know man i just have to vote for quality like even if the song was about how much i suck like i would be compelled to vote for it oh i would definitely vote for a song about how much chumpy sucks (laughs) (laughs) don't we have a song like that yeah we we wrote a song about that Ah, uh, good times, good times, yeah. jerks. Um, so, are you really not voting for Paco, Michael? I, I, I am on the. I'm, I'm sort of on the fence. And again, it's you know, like Berkeley social scene. It's just you know, it's so consistent. It's so well produced and so well performed. There weren't very many moments that really stuck with me. My favorite part was at the very end. We have when you take it back and what's the difference? Like those that what's the difference backing vocal is amazing. That's the the highlight of the song. And I guess it's a mark of a good song if the highlight is the very last thing because you go out on a high. <laughs> right. But um, you know, I haven't I haven't decided. I really haven't. Uh, Ryan and I before this are uh, are three for three in terms of disagreeing with each other. So I may yeah. just I may pass them by just to keep that up. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's good. We'll uh, cancel each other out. <laughs> so Ryan, what do you think about Philipsa? Oh, geez. You know, I was so ready to say yes because you know the the guitar work is is lovely, but I'll I'll need to give it a couple more listens before I decide. And uh, I'll go and do that. And uh, I, I just can't, I, I can't say for now. The lyrics are potentially a bit problematic and uh, I, I don't need that in my life. <laughs> All right, Micah, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to vote for it. And, uh, and, and part of it is the lyrics. And, and the other part is just that, uh, it, you know, musically, it, it's, it's fine. I have my first note actually written on this is musically, this is fine. Yeah. And musically fine is not going to earn a vote by itself for me. All right. Uh, I want to vote for this song. Like, um, I, I really do like Glenny's like improved swagger and confidence in his vocals, but at the same time, I really want another artist to win. So I'm holding my fire on this one as well. 
And um, next we've got Pig Farmer. And I'll just say right off the top, I am not voting for Pig Farmer just for how much we had to talk about statues. So. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. This podcast is now called Three Jerks, One Very Long History Discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume yeah. you guys are in the same boat on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to disrespect the sovereignty of the people in those communities. So uh, I'm not voting for this dull song with thoughtless lyrics. <laughs> oh. and, uh, and also, of course, because because I don't like Saddam Hussein. And that's I guess that's the big takeaway here. You know, I, I remember um, Pig Farmer Jr. had a song a while ago where, where he was whining that his friends were calling him a Nazi. And uh, it turns out the big reveal here is that uh, instead he loves Saddam Hussein. He might not be a Nazi, <laughs> but he loves Muammar Gaddafi. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> so next we've got Third Cat. What do you think, Ryan? You voting for Third Cat? Uh, I, I think I am. Yeah. Again, because yeah, definitely because uh, again, I'm uh, I'm going on the thought that I'm going to vote for things that don't annoy me, and things that are not bad, and this does not annoy me, and it's not bad. Cool, Micah. I think you had vague, vaguely positive feelings as well. Yeah, I I will probably vote for third cat all right and again but, I'm... but again what the the deadline for the next fight is the third right which means we have until probably like the sixth to actually vote for this one so yeah. uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna be thinking about it for a while cool okay. i'm holding my fire on third cat as well and i'm saving it for this next one tim henkel getting my other vote uh, I love the song. Yeah. 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 I, think, I think that's one that we all three, well, uh, two that we all three agree on now. So, yeah, I'm going to, I'm planning on logging on to six different computers to cast six different votes for Tim Hinkle. So. <laughs> vote early, vote often. Yeah. Longhead, yeah that's great. a joke. It's a joke, Lunkhead. I'm not cheating. <laughs> uh, you know, every fight, Lunkhead looks at the IP addresses of all the votes. And make sure that there's nothing nothing hinky going on. Or hinkly, as the case may be. <laughs> or hinkly. So, yeah. Don't be voting from your iPhone. Don't be voting from, I don't know. Yeah. Lunkhead will catch you, and you will you will be sad. If you're using cellular data, can you just, like, keep voting? I don't know how. I don't know how the internet works. Oh, it's just your phone usually has a different IP address than the rest of your network if you're on cellular data, so... So I think people have voted from their phones before as well as their work computers and home computers and other people's computers. So so we, we can we can like host a workshop on cheating voting in Songfight, right? <laughs> Where we kind of teach everybody how to go about doing multiple votes. Maybe we should just edit this whole ridiculous section up. Oh no, this is the only value in this whole yeah, podcast. Yeah, let's let's edit out the rest of the podcast. This this is the good stuff. Th three jerks, 1000 votes. <laughs> All right, Mike, do you want to give any shout-outs as we're done with the end of the podcast here? Um, I I'd like to shout out I can shout out to anything. Anything, anyone, anyone. All right, I'd like to shout out instruments that are not guitars. Instruments that are not guitars. Dear song fighters, did you know that they exist? <laughs> what? This, yeah. you know, okay. this was a, this was a very that was a shout out. <laughs> this, as all fights, was a very guitar heavy fight. Yeah. That shout out brought to you by Cinnabon. 
not a guitar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, it does make a lovely squishy sound when you put it in your mouth. It, it does. Someone yeah. please record themselves eating Cinnabon and submit <laughs> it to the next fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's the next title? It's uh, Oh, uh, Yes, You're a Robot. That hmm. mm. Cinnabon and Robots. Do you guys have any thoughts for the next next fight or for this title? It's just there's too, 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 th- yeah, there's so little time that I probably am not gonna get anything in. I actually did this thing where I did a a word count of all of the song titles because there have been a lot of robot song titles. I wonder if robot appears more often than say love or something like that. It doesn't, just to let you know. There, but there's there's a yeah, there's a fair amount of robots in song fight. Yeah, you know my uh. My conspiracy theory is that Deep Throat is actually JB. So those robot references make sense. Oh, okay. Yeah. So five robots. There were some some things that I, I kind of noted were a little weird, like lots of men, not very many women. Like in titles? Yeah. Yeah. So like the word man comes up ten times. Uh, the word women... Where the hell is it? This is supposed to be in alphabetical order. Well, well, did you know, Ryan, that American society is deeply and fundamentally misogynistic? What? <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't go into song fight, though, does it? Yeah, no, I'm oh, not sorry, no. but yeah, <laughs> completely insular, uh, <laughs> utopian, utopian community here. Yeah, yeah. So, anyhow, I I should I should have <laughs> had this like in the chamber here, but uh, but yeah, not very women, not very many women, not very many girls, uh, lots of men, lots of boys. Maybe I'll post it on the boards just to try and start a fight with somebody. Is there a title that in the past that you kind of wish you would have written a song for or been able to have written a song for? Oh man, the Vishnu cycle. <laughs> that. That but uh, the banana ninja phone thing. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, like the longest title ever. Yeah, yeah, that would have been amazing. And um, yeah, but I don't know. What about you, Micah? I try to live in the present, not the past. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I mean there are de- there definitely have been fights where um, I've, I mean even lots of fights where I've had ideas that just including this one. Where I had an I, I had an idea for a song and it just didn't end up happening. I think I brought this up because I really love the title "Back from Juvie," and uh, maybe I'll write a song for that one day. They There's... could have a they could have a fight or a side fight or something that's just pick a previous song fight title and and write a song for it. Oh my god, this reminds me. I, I had a song for the truth about aspartame. And that is so long ago, and I, I never did it. And I was like, man, I, I have it in my head already, and I just, just never did it. Anyhow, uh, yeah, so the truth about aspartame, I'm changing my, my answer. I, I know you all cared. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But, uh, but yeah, we're pretty much done uh, with the podcast. Was there anything else anybody wanted to bring up? I don't think so. I'm going to stop recording now. Hello, this is Micah. I'm looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. Hello, this is Micah. I'm looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. I see Berkeley social scene. I see Glenny. I see lycanthrope. People, it's lycanthrope. Okay, come on. Seriously. Come on. 
seriously. Uh, then I see Paco Del Stinko and Philipso Pig Farmer Jr., third cat, and guys, you can't believe this, it's Death Nickel. I'm ashamed of what we do. I'm ashamed of what we do. I'm ashamed of what we do. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe you said that. Hello, this is Mike. I'm looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. Hello, this is Mike. I'm looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. Hello, this is Mike. I'm looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. Hello, this is Mike. I'm looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. Looking at my notes. Uh, and then I'm back to normal.